for all of your Wisconsin Badgers news from the recruiting trail, on the field, and near the rim. This is the Badger Blitz Podcast. If you want to be a Badger, just come along with me by the bright shiny light of the moon. On Overtime Media. Welcome back, everybody, to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. Alongside editor, recruiting analyst, John McNamara, I am senior writer, Jake Kokorowski, hanging out in the Vivid Seats studio, and we got a lot coming to you today uh, for today's show. Obviously, a lot transpired this weekend, but we'll break down a little bit of the Big Ten Championship game later. We'll talk about Jonathan Taylor's Heisman snub, but we'll kick it off, John. The big news from this weekend, Rolls Bowl, Wisconsin Badgers, Oregon Ducks, Wisconsin gets in and a big time announcement. Wisconsin returns for the first time since the 2013 edition of that game. It's the 106th edition of the Rose Bowl that will be played on January 1st. And Wisconsin apparently did enough to make its way into a New Year's Six Bowl game and make its way back to Pasadena. Yeah, you know, best case scenario for Wisconsin. Um, you know, going in that game, that's what uh, you know appear to be on the line. You know, even if Wisconsin uh, defeated Ohio State, I think there was still you know a big hurdle to climb to climb into that that top four to get in the college football playoff. So yeah, like I said, best case scenario. And um, you know, just talking to some friends and you know people who graduate from the school. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone ever gets sick or bored or you know feel like the Rose Bowl isn't. Uh, you know, a great place for Wisconsin to play. Um, I don't think that luster will ever wear off. And, you know, I think any year that the, that you make it to the Rose Bowl uh, is a pretty good year for Wisconsin. And uh, like I said, you know, best case scenario, maybe for the Badgers, and they got a pretty good test against Oregon. Uh, you know, it should be a pretty good football game. Absolutely. And Oregon, of course, took care of business against Utah just uh, on that Friday night beforehand uh, for the Pac-12 championship game. And then, Wisconsin played Ohio State tough. Like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit later about that game. But Wisconsin heading back to Pasadena, currently on a you know three game losing streak because they you had obviously the 2010 team, 2011, 2012 teams fall there. But this is a rematch, obviously of the 2012 edition of the game, and obviously different players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, again, I, I you mentioned it, it people get excited for this bowl game. It is the granddaddy of them all. I know I'm heading out there to cover it, but it is a, this is, I think even for media, I don't know if you've been out there yet, John, but you know, I'm excited to head out there just to take a look at Pasadena and the Rose bowl itself. And there is an aura ahead of it. I know team, the team will have tons of media availability out there uh, in California. And they're, you know, I'm sure they're going to go to Disneyland or et cetera, but there, there is an aura here compared to uh, obviously other smaller bowls, but it, it is an extravaganza, you know, throughout the week. Yeah. I had a chance to be there for the TCU game and uh, I was actually just a, in the, in the stands for that game. And uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a special place, uh, you know, getting a chance to walk around uh, just even the town of Pasadena on the way to the game. And then, you know, being in the game, uh, you know, that big bowl um, is, is special. Um, you know, the weather's obviously great, you know, get, being here in December and January in Wisconsin, uh, you know, you, you see 
the the snow and the stuff that you know you get out to California, which is great. And then you know once the sun kind of goes down and you're you're overlooking those mountains and stuff, um, it, yeah, it's a, it's a special it's a special scene. Um, you know, I told myself after I graduated that. And I, I would go out there for Wisconsin's first opportunity, the first time they made it back to, to Pasadena, and that was for the game against TCU. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a phenomenal experience, and you know, I I guess I'd recommend it for for any college football fan out there to to at least catch a game there once. I, I guess overall, and what's your before we talk about Oregon and even talking about Penn State, Wisconsin? I forgot to add that bullet point in terms of talking about the Lions versus the Badgers. But what have been, in your eyes, some of your favorite Rose Bowl memories? Even, I mean, you and I both grew up in this state. So uh, the lore of going to Pasadena and, you know, the 1993 team that went to, you know, that defeated UCLA, the 98 squad that Craig James mentioned was the worst team to ever play in the Rose Bowl. Uh, Obviously, Dane's last game for, you know, in the 2000 Rose Bowl as part of the 1999 team. But even like the three straight Rose Bowls, that Wisconsin participated in earlier this decade. What's some of your favorite memories? Yeah, I think if you go back to the first uh, Rose Bowl that Wisconsin made it to, I think that's when you know some of my first memories of, of college football are. And you know, I remember my uncle, uh, you know, talking about Wisconsin going to the Rose Bowl, and he was going to go there. And you know how much of a underdog Wisconsin was, you know, in that game, but just how big of a deal it was to get there. So um, you know, that definitely stands out to me. Uh, kind of the, the, you know, I guess you could call it, you know, the tall tales of the folklore of, you know, Wisconsin going uh, into Pasadena in that area and, you know, drinking all the alcohol, all the Wisconsin fans taking care of the alcohol and eating all the meat and cheese and then doing it again the next year. Um, you know, here, I don't know, you know, I don't know if you can really prove that or, or substantiate that, but, you know, a lot of people have said that they, you know, they went and just kind of ravaged the city, you know, ate all the food and drank all the, all the alcohol. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of been synonymous with Wisconsin's success and that's kind of been the measuring stick of, you know, making it back to the Rose Bowl. And I know that, you know, there's a big chunk of fans and, and they, and they rightfully should that, that want to be in the college football playoffs. But like I said, anytime that, you know, your team gets to go play in the Rose Bowl, uh, I think it means you had a pretty special season. Yeah. I remember, I think you talked about that 93 team going back, really covering college football it or like getting to just watch it. Like that was the first moment. I think, you know, Wisconsin fans, I remember my parents buying sweatshirts at, you know, when during that time, I remember, you know, and you're from the Milwaukee area too, John, the Milwaukee journal had little cut out trading cards that you could paste onto. I had the old, if you guys remember the old Jay's potato chip boxes, I would cut those out to the size and I would glue them on to these cuttable cards that the newspaper had. So Daryl Bevel, Joe Panos, Terrell Fletcher, Brent Moss, I believe Mike Thompson was on there. So, and what was funny too, is that last year when Wisconsin welcomed back that 1993 team to, you know, for an anniversary type get together, they actually displayed that in the, where inside camp Randall, they have, the student athlete center. And so to the right of it, you'll see kind of the trophy cases they have like right now they had Rose Lavelle, the the famous Wisconsin soccer player who played and won gold for the U S women's national team in the world cup this past summer. They, they had, you know, they have her Jersey there, but they have these little, you know, this glass 
cases and they had the 1993 team there where they had some of those trading cards and that was fantastic in, in getting the chance to, you know, I, I remember that and I looked at Brian Lucas, um, the director for Wisconsin athletic communications. He, you know, I, I looked at him, I go, I collected those as a kid and I'm not talking about as a fan, you know, at all right now. It's just one of those things as a memory as a kid, you know, that sticks with you. And they had those type of cards there. Uh, and so I remember that team in particular, just because as a kid, that, that made me love the sport that made me love sports in general, in terms of being involved. And that really helped grow my interest in covering it. And it's one of those things that I, you know, I'll always remember. So I think that 93 team, I think them winning, uh, and even writing the book for walk on this way, Brian Matheny, who, ca- who called the game on AM 620, uh, WTMJ, you know, he actually sent me a, a DVD of the game with his call on it. And so when I was writing the book, I got to rewatch it and re-listen to it. And so those are some of the memories that came back when I was a child and those are impressionable. So, uh, I would say the 93 team really stood out to me and, uh, but you know, this will be, this is going to be quite the test, you know, for Wisconsin where uh, they're facing a, a PAC 12 program like Oregon, who has a NFL caliber quarterback and just, you know, Justin Herbert. And it should be really interesting to see what they can do against the ducks. Yeah. You know, obviously a, a good team, you know, in Oregon and like you talked about the quarterback Herbert, you know, he's projected to go as, you know, one of the first handful of quarterbacks in the draft, you know, anywhere from, you know, I think really two to four. Or so I think Joe Burrow is the, the consensus number one. But then, you know, with the status of Tua uh, with his injury, you know, Herbert could very well be the next quarterback selected. You know, a big guy who moves pretty well with a, with a pretty big arm. Um, you know, this isn't the, the Chip Kelly Oregon team that Wisconsin faced a few years ago with, you know, just kind of that blazing speed. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, although the, you know Oregon definitely has you know skilled position players who who can definitely be you know game breakers. Um, I think Wisconsin matches up pretty well against them. Uh, you know, at, at first glance, you would think Wisconsin should be able to move the football pretty well. Um, you know, the Pac-12 conference isn't really known for for you know what they do on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, and you know, with the weather it's supposed to be pretty good, I would imagine out in California. You know, it's still a couple weeks away, but um, you would imagine maybe a high-scoring game here. Um, you know, someone maybe the, you know, in the thirties, but still a long way to go with that. But I think it's a great matchup. Uh, I think Wisconsin is favored early on in the, in the lines that I saw come out just recently, but uh, it should be a good football game, you know, a good way to send your seniors out. And, you know, with that, Jonathan Taylor, likely Tyler Biotish, and uh, you know, maybe in a guy like Quintez Cephas who's really had a great, you know, last couple games or so for Wisconsin. Talk about the odds. I think I'm looking at the action network right now. It started at three. For the odds, from what I've seen, and that was updated as of yesterday afternoon, Wisconsin is two and a half right now. Wisconsin's a two and a half point favorite as of re-recording on Monday night. So uh, that's according to the Action Network. We'll see what changes from that, but you know it will be interesting. You talked about Oregon's defense; they've been pretty stout overall. They are allowing just about just under three hundred and thirty yards per game. We'll we'll do more in depth, but just uh, previews coming up, but for right now, just some real quick looks, you know, Oregon's offense is still pretty high powered averaging over 450 yards per game. They have created 23 turnovers just to 10 given up. Uh, Herbert's only thrown five interceptions this year, passed for 
over 3,300 yards and has a 66.7% completion percentage. So he's completed two thirds of his passes so far through 13 games. Uh, and that Oregon defense should be interesting. They've only given up 16 points as well uh, per contest going in and their S and P rating right now is number 16. If you guys follow what Bill Connolly does over at ESPN. So uh, I, I guess, you know, one thing too, I, we want to make sure that we pub this correctly, John, we got something going on at badgerblitz.com what, uh, for fans where they could look at possible travel packages to head out to Pasadena to cheer on the Badgers. Yeah, absolutely. We, we partnered with, uh, prime sport and you know they like you said jake they have some excellent deals going on right now uh travel packages to to you know get you covered with everything that you need to do out out in pasadena um you know i'm on the site right now obviously didn't get you the tickets there they get you the flight uh but also you know some of the stuff that's going around uh you know down you know in in pasadena you know the parade and you know everything that goes into that um you know anything that you're looking for the site uh, is able to help you out with again prime sport um, we, you know, we have links all over our website right now and in, in our stories. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're looking to make it out there as, as a Wisconsin fan, uh, that is the best place, uh, to, to book your travel package. Uh, you know, everything that you need is on that site. If you have questions about that, you can definitely, you know, hit me up, uh, you know, send me a message on email, you know, hit me up, uh, on, on the message board, but yeah, you know, we partner with them. We're really excited about that. And, um, you know, just looking at the prices, this this place I think has the best opportunities around. If you if you're looking to get out to Pasadena, absolutely. And of course, make sure to check out Prime Sport and check out BadgerBlitz.com for more on those details. And I guess too, I know we we talked about Oregon's defense, and right now they're giving up just about uh, overall about 106 yards per game on the ground heading into this contest. But Jonathan Taylor. The news came out earlier on Monday night. The Heisman Trophy finalists have been announced. That includes LSU quarterback Joe Burrow. That includes Ohio State's Justin Fields and Chase Young, but then also Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts. In your eyes, John, Jonathan Taylor's obviously not invited to New York. Do you feel he was snubbed out of this, where he's second in the nation in rushing yards right now? at 1,909, second in the nation in rushing yards per game, but he also leads the nation in total touchdowns with 26. Yeah, I I just think, you know, it's, yeah, did he get snubbed? I, I think so. Um, you know, I think part of it has to do with Wisconsin's record. Uh, you know, having three losses, I think, hurt Jonathan Taylor's case. Um, you know, if you look at the guys who made it there, um, you know, all coming from, you know, ultra successful teams. And that's not saying Wisconsin wasn't successful this year. You know, obviously playing the Rose Bowl speaks for itself. But, um, you know, I think it also speaks to it just being kind of a quarterback award. Um, you know, and I'm not sure what it was, you know, 17 like the last 20 uh, Heisman winners have been quarterbacks. Um, and, you know, I think it just it's kind of just an extension of who's the top quarterback in, in the country. That's what the Heisman has kind of come down to. Um, running backs seem to be devalued now for, for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, with as much success as Jonathan Taylor's had, uh, over his three-year career at Wisconsin that he, that he hasn't even had a seat at the table. So, um, you know, I'm sure if you talk to him, it's, it's not something that it's going to bother him too much. I know that he's, you know, likely looking to go out on a high note, uh, you know, in, in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl. But yeah, I, I think that he deserved to probably be there really interesting just to see. I mean, it's hard to where the Heisman finalists 
this was a really good year. And every year you're going to see a bunch of really good players. But this one, I felt, you know, Joe Burrow, what he's done in LSU, uh, at LSU, uh, has nothing, nothing short of, of fantastic uh, with that, re- re- you know, renovated offense for, with Joe Brady uh, there. But you also have, I mean, Chase Young, it, he should be in the in New York, despite being a defensive player. He can change games. You saw that firsthand on October 26th against the Badgers in the horseshoe, four sacks, five tackles for loss. End of the year with 16 and a half sacks and 19, or I think he had 21, I'm not mistaken, 21 sacks, uh, 21 tackles for loss, I'm sorry, for the season. Justin Fields threw 40 touchdown passes to one interception. Uh, you saw that on full display, 19 to 31 for 299 yards and three touchdown passes against Wisconsin on Saturday at the Big Ten Championship game. Those are it's hard. And Jalen Hurts, you see what he he's done rejuvenated in Lincoln Riley's system in Oklahoma. And it, you're, you're right where it's become, you know, you've seen the running back position possibly being, you know, not possibly it's being maybe devalued in the eyes of voters. And you've seen the quarterback step up, but you know, it, it's hard to keep a player like Jonathan Taylor out. And, you know, I don't know his stats, to me this season, not, not looking at a career. I know, I know some people try to look at it as like, Oh, it could be, should be a career accomplishment type award or finalist type feeling there, but he is among the nation's best running backs uh, and among the nation's best players, not, not just running backs, but players. So, you know, it's hard to keep those players that are the finalists out of New York, but I, I guess, would there be a player out of those four that you would sub out for Taylor, John. Yeah, you know, probably not. Uh, I think all all those guys are are more than deserving to be there. So, you know, maybe another factor is that that you know it was a pretty strong year. Um, you know, of those guys, maybe Hurts. You know, you sub in for for Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think that would maybe make the most sense. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think all those guys are deserving to to have a seat at the table. You know, I don't think it's you know one guy over Jonathan Taylor that that shouldn't have been. I just think that. Uh, you know, a guy like Jonathan Taylor, his his resume speaks for itself. He probably should have been uh, – he had a seat at the table uh, for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, just to take a look at the – I'm at the Heisman Trophy website. The mission for the Heisman Trust the is – this is verbatim from the site. The Heisman Memorial Trophy annually recognizes the most – or recognizes the outstanding college football player whose performance best exhibits the pursuit of excellence with integrity. The winners of the trophy epitomize great ability combined with diligence, perseverance, and hard work. And the Heisman Trophy's trust mission is to ensure the continuation and integrity of this award. I, I think he he showed that uh, throughout his career at Wisconsin, and especially this year where, I mean, I guess one more argument for me, he, he's become more of a complete back in 2019 where he's making catches out of the backfield. He's a threat to catch the ball, and he's shown that this year. So, again, it yeah, it's a really tough year. We'll see, you know, obviously how he fit, what will likely be his last game. He has not obviously said anything like that uh, in terms of what his future will hold in terms of this being his final year. Logic dictates it will be, but we'll see just how he performs in Pasadena in the Rose Bowl against the Ducks there. But on that note, folks, with the big game, you have obviously the travel packages with Prime Sport, but for the game itself with, with Vivid Seats, you can catch the Rose Bowl, 
You can also catch Wisconsin-Milwaukee before the holiday. Why is that? Because you'll have, obviously, the return of Micah Potter coming up. There's Rutgers coming up this week, but Micah Potter returns his first game action since, gosh, a couple seasons ago. Don't want to miss that to see how he could dictate, even you know, against an in-state opponent like Milwaukee. And, of course, make sure you have your seat for the game with Vivid Seats. And Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice all on the Vivid Seats app. And to make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back called Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the Apple App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. So don't worry about even signing up extra when you go to the app there. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee and not just sporting events from the biggest concerts and the games to the hottest theater shows and more. Vivid Seats has it all and download the app and become a member of the Vivid Seats Rewards program today. And when it's time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. We're going to take a quick break, come back, pay the bills, and then talk just a little bit more about the Big Ten Championship game and Wisconsin giving a scare to Ohio State here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. We are back from paying the bills here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast with editor, recruiting analyst John McNamara. I'm senior writer Jay Kokorowski. Thanks for tuning in. And not to dwell too much on what transpired in the 34-21 loss to Ohio State for the Wisconsin Badgers. But just give some takeaways and thoughts from this game. Wisconsin pulling out the stops in the first half, a tale of two halves. Uh, it's kind of cliche, but it's really true in this game, 21-7. Wisconsin racks up nearly 300 yards of offense, and then only you know only to see that dissipate in the third quarter. Wisconsin shooting itself in the foot with some bad plays. Ohio State regaining its form, 27 unanswered points. John, what's one or two takeaways you had from this game? Uh, and were you also surprised by the fact that Wisconsin gave such a run and gave Ohio State a run for its money in those first two quarters? Yeah, I absolutely was. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people went in this game uh, with that previous game still in their head. And Wisconsin had such a difficult time you know, moving the football against Ohio State when they played on the road in Columbus that, uh, yeah, I was I was surprised at, you know, not the ease that they were able to do it, but, it, I mean, they were able to move the ball and they were able to score points, and, and that was surprising to me. Um, you know, they they seemed to, you know, all the play play calling was uh, was excellent. You know, you know, everything seemed to work very well. Um, you know, had the one maybe glitch in the first in the first half with the fake punt that that caught Wisconsin off guard, but um, you know, that was an excellent half of football. And then, you know, like you said, it was a, it was very much a tale of two halves um, with, you know, Ohio state just turning on, turning on the jets in the, in the second half, Wisconsin making mistakes. Um, you know, once Anthony Lottie bobbled that punt, you, you thought the floodgates were going to kind of open after that. And, you know, they certainly did. Um, you know, we, you know, Ohio state was a better football team coming in. Um, so I guess it was surprising that Wisconsin, you know, played as well as it did in the first half, but, um, I think things kind of evened out in the second half and, uh, you know, the score is probably just about what a lot of people figured. Um, you know, I think overall though, I think maybe 
Wisconsin played better than anticipated. The ability to contain Chase Young, that's one of our things in the 3-2-1 column I had earlier today. Chase Young, he had a couple quarterback hurries, a couple pass breakups, 1.5 tackles for loss, but he did not officially sack Jack Cohn. They, Ohio State only got to Cohn twice during the contest, and that was a positive sign for, for Wisconsin. They were able to throw the ball. Jack Cohn finished the game, and granted, the last two drives were kind of, I'm not going to say garbage time because they were still within two scores, but he threw for 232 yards. They rushed for 200 yards compared to the 83 they had in Columbus. Uh, they attacked the field in different ways that you didn't necessarily see that first game. And so I think that was a positive devel- development against one of the best na- t- uh, defenses in the nation. But, you know, it, Zach Bond mentioned it after the game where he said that if he felt like Ohio State started to figure out what they were doing on defense and then took advantage of that. And so you can see, read that in the five takeaways posts or the five things we learned from Wisconsin's loss there where he kind of talks a little bit more technically about that. Um, offensively, Cole Van Landen mentioned that in the second half, they they weren't all on the same page. And I found, found that to be interesting. Uh, I remember Jonathan Taylor talking about some of the past pressures as well. And I mean, you also got to give credit to Ohio state, John, for allowing them to, you know, I mean, Ohio state, they got manhandled in that first half and then they made adjustments and that's key for every game. And usually you see Wisconsin with Jim Leonard, in my opinion, being one of the best ones to navigate that and to make adjustments at halftime quickly. You saw Ohio state do that on both sides of the ball. Yeah, you did. And, you know, that was their biggest deficit, um, obviously, of the season going in. Um, and, you know, they they certainly had a lot riding on that game, um, you know, to, to be behind and to think about, you know, what will this do to our season and, and the goals that we had and, you know, being the top team in the country for, for most of the season. So, yeah, you know, credit to Ohio State for, for bouncing back there, um, for, you know, tightening up a few things on, on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, offensively, they, they kind of, uh, you know, found their rhythm, you know, specifically in the passing game. Um, and, you know, they, I think just the better football team won. Uh, but yeah, you know, give a lot of credit to Ohio State. They're, you know, they're the number two team in the country for, for a very good reason. Um, you know, they, they got Clemson coming up. I think that should be a very good game. I think Ohio State comes out of that. And then that probably sets up, you know, the game that all of the, you know, college football world wanted to see in, you know, Ohio State and LSU. But, a lot of football still left to be played, but you know, Ohio State. There's there's a very good reason why people feel that they're you know one of the two best teams in, in college football right now. Absolutely, I think still the most complete team out there, especially with that. I think maybe the one last thing I'll talk about special teams. You mentioned Anthony Lottie's fumble or of that punt, where I think probably that maybe was a turning point, even though Ohio State had scored that previous drive, I think the turning point, you know, wasn't just Lottie's punt, but that was our, his, his muffed pump in terms of the fumble. I think it was also that three and out that Wisconsin gets a little, little bit more yardage there, there it helps out. But overall, I guess special teams, which has started to become a strength the last four games of the regular season where Aaron Crookshank had an 80 yard, 89 yard return against Nebraska, a 49 yard return off a reverse on a kickoff return from Isaac Garendo against Minnesota a couple weeks back. Zach Hintz drilling a 62-yarder and then playing well against Minnesota. He misses a 48-yarder. That third phase of the game is critical. And even with Crookshank, he he only averaged 14 yards for the kickoff return. But I remember in the second half, he returned one out of the end zone that was supposed to be a fake of a reverse, and it didn't get anywhere. 
Yeah, you know, the Lottie thing um, was was tough. Uh, you know that you know not necessarily a backbreaker, but you know as close as you can get to that. Like you mentioned, Ohio State scored just prior to that, and then to put the defense back on the field, you know, a defense at that time that wasn't playing with you know Chris Orr and Noah Burks, you know, obviously, you know, they're going to have to go out there at some time, whoever is replacing them, but, you know, to put the defense back out there again, and, you know, just the way that game was trending, uh, you know, that, again, that wasn't the final kind of nail in the coffin there, you know, there's a lot of football to be played after that, but, you know, it just kind of felt like after that happened that, you know, things were turning in a way that Wisconsin was maybe not going to be able to, to kind of stop Ohio State's momentum after that. That's the one thing too, you know, Wisconsin, they gave up around almost 500 yards of offense on Saturday. In your opinion, and I forgot to put this in the bullet points, but might as well ask how much the loss of Chris Orr uh, with that head injury and then Noah Burks as well. Uh, yeah. How do you think that affected the game? Cause I remember at least one instance, Wisconsin didn't hold the edge. Well, on one, I think it was one of the Dobbins, one of Dobbins runs in the second half, but to me that one stood out. Uh, but how do you think that affected the game through your eyes, especially with a leader like Orr, where helping call out plays or being on the field and just having that experience in a game like that? You know, it's huge. And I'm not going to say that, you know, had those two guys been healthy the whole way through, Wisconsin comes out on top. But, you know, I think it had a huge influence because, you know, like you mentioned, Orr has obviously been the, the vocal leader on this defense and his production is his, has matched that. You know, he's, he, you know, what was he second team all Big Ten pick? You know, he was he's been excellent for Wisconsin, and yep. you know, then you look at a guy who's replacing him in, in Leo Chanel, and he's a true freshman, and I thought he played well. And if you look at Pro Football Focus, he actually graded out pretty well. Uh, but you know, you look there and you you put a true freshman in and on that stage, that's difficult. And Wisconsin, you know, middle linebackers on a position they have much depth there, so um, I thought that was a huge blow. You know, the same thing with Noah Burks. You saw then a lot more of Tyler Johnson and Christian Bell. Uh, so, you know, that's a guy that is not a playmaker in the same sentences or in Zach Bond, but, you know, he's a guy who's had a solid season and, you know, it, for, you know, any team that's going to lose, you know, two of its four, or two of its three starting linebackers, that's, that's a tough blow. And, you know, they missed, they missed those guys early. I think both of them went down in the first, in, in the first quarter. So, you know, that's, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's even tougher than when Ohio state's on the other side of the ball. Now we'll switch sides. We'll talk a little bit something a little bit more positive. Early signing periods coming out coming up next week, John. Uh, with that, what should fans expect? I think we just saw Jack Nelson be bumped up to a four star, if I'm not mistaken. What what should fans expect coming up in the next week ahead? I know I'm going to have basketball two coming up. I'll have something by Wednesday. Uh, let's talk with Kobe King a little earlier, uh, as well as a couple other players uh, from yet today, but. What should fans expect from BadgerBlitz.com, not just for basketball-wise, but recruiting as we start rolling into the early signing period? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you start to see the guys from the Wisconsin coaching staff make it for those in-home visits, um, and and that'll be crucial. Um, You know, anything can happen down the stretch, but, you know, the last couple signing classes have been relatively quiet for Wisconsin, you know, in terms of decommitments or late additions and stuff like that. Um, You know, with the guys that they have committed right now, all 17 seem to be pretty rock solid. You know, obviously there's positions where Wisconsin still wants to add tailback, you know, potentially outside linebacker with a guy like Caden Johnson, um, you know, also maybe wide receiver as well. So, 
Um, it'll be interesting to see if if Wisconsin pops up at at a random home. Well, I shouldn't call it random. Um, you know, at a home that you didn't expect them to be at. Um, you know, because they they still have some some holes to fill in this class that they like to get you know cleaned up. You know, by December eighteenth uh, if they're able to. Otherwise, you know, they can carry that into February if there's if there's still some scholarships remaining after that. So um, I don't expect any huge, big, late, you know, fireworks on signing day. Um, but, you know, Wisconsin still has some work to do before, uh, you know, they're ready to sign their 2020 uh, class in December. And like I said, you know, they could still, you know, clean some things up uh, from guys that haven't signed in the early signing period. And, and that extends all the way out until February as well. And folks, make sure you guys check out BadgerBlitz.com, not just for football, basketball coverage, but of course our bread and butter with recruiting. It's Wisconsin.Rivals.com. For Twitter, John at McNamara Rivals, me at Jake Coco, and of course the official Badger Blitz account at Badger underscore Blitz. Find us for this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and tune in. On top of that, in terms of subscribing, that is free. This is a free podcast, folks, so you guys can listen. If you guys are traveling, holidays are coming up. Uh, we hope to have a lot, a few more guests coming up, too, when, when early signing period kicks up next week. And for that matter, like I said, we hit subscribe. All it does, if you're on your desk, desktop, your laptop, your iPod, your iPhone, your tablet, your iPad, whatever, uh, yet you listen to your podcast through, it goes instantly to your device for list for your listening pleasure. So make sure you guys check that out and feel free to give us reviews. We want this to be the best Wisconsin Badgers podcast it can possibly be. And we need your help to do so. So uh, let us know. We'd love five-star reviews. That helps us with our mission to do so as well. But on that note, we'll come back later this week. Maybe we'll do some bat. We'll talk more basketball coming up. We got to, we haven't really dug into this team yet. Right now it's five and four, but had a, an impressive win against Indiana last week. We'll talk more about that and whatever happens in Piscataway. Wisconsin Rutgers coming up on Wednesday night. Uh, and then also the return of Micah Potter 10 days after that. We'll talk about that too coming up. So please tune in again. We'll talk to you guys soon here on another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media.